Welcome to Brave Talks. Today on the show, we have Carolyn Morand Cook, a confidence crusader, a longtime model friend of mine, and an undergarment expert. We are talking about self-confidence, accountability in the modeling industry and in the advertising industry, what goes on behind the scenes in the modeling industry and advertising industry. And then we also, next Sunday, we'll have our tips for self-confidence and share the tools that we use to become more confident and to stay accountable to ourselves and mindfulness in our own personal well-being despite our thoughts and the noise. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. So excited to be here. How are you? I am great, thank you. I am so excited to have this conversation with you about what actually goes on behind the scenes in the plus size modeling industry. My first question that I'm dying to know because the last time I modeled was three and a half years ago is what the behind the scenes and the, the secret on the street is right now in terms of plus size modeling. What are these women doing to get ahead? Whew, a loaded question, I would say. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've been a curved model for plus size full figure whatever you want to call it, model, the term keeps changing, can't keep up for about 10 years now. And I've noticed that it kind of goes through these trends and these waves of what's important, what's important to do, what's important to um, maintain. Um, and I don't know if it's just a sign of my age or how much time I've been in the industry, um, but something that I have been kind of coming to the realization that that I've kind of been phasing out of modeling is that I've just focused on um, how I feel and what is a good size, what's a good look for me. And if clients want to hire that, great. Um, but that's after 10 years of um, kind of going through and understanding and seeing all the, the standards. Um, so maybe we can kind of back up a little bit. Yeah. To what I've seen in the past. Um, I mean, only speaking from what I've seen, my experiences, it's always been something with me. So when I first got signed, I needed to cut my hair and then I needed to dye my hair and then it was too short and too dark. So then I needed to grow it out and then I needed to put high, blonde highlights in and then I needed to gain weight and then I needed to lose weight in certain areas. And then I was too tan. I get super olive in the summer. I get too tan. And then I, I'm getting requested that I need to add a self tanner before I arrive to set. So it's like, there's always something. Um, and it breaks my heart. I've, I've heard so many women who have, felt the need to go get surgery because they they've been told they wouldn't be able to work unless they have gotten it. So, um, it, it's frustrating. It's as it's been, um, I don't know if it's like me kind of phasing out or me not caring or me growing in my confidence journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm just like, <laughs> you see what you see is what you get <laughs> at this point. Um, but I know that's not always the case. 
Right. And have you ever been asked behind the scenes to wear a fat suit? So, um, I don't, I have not personally worn one, but I've seen them on set and I have been asked to, um, purchase padding, um, which if you're not familiar with, it's literally like, as you think of, um, like people put padding in their bra, you put padding on your hips, you put padding on your stomach, you put padding on your legs, um, to make yourself look bigger. Actually, I take that back. I have worn a fat suit for a client. And I've also been digitally altered to mm-hmm. look bigger for a client, but oh, yeah. they, they didn't edit my head. So my head, I would say I have a pretty large <laughs> round head, but the, um, <laughs> your head is beautiful. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> but like, you know, some people have very narrow, like skinny, like, you know, small faces. Um, I had a client that literally stretched out my <laughs> body to make it look bigger. And I was like, Really? I was like, my head looks really small in that photo. And then I figured it out. <laughs> I had a, um, a Mexican magazine that shot me that they had. I remember just like goofing off in hair and makeup, Mexico city. I was at a high altitude. I couldn't like, I was focusing on breathing. I just landed off the plane and they were putting makeup on me and I wasn't really looking. And then I looked in the mirror and Carolyn, they drew a lip like up to my nose and they edited my lips like, boom. And I was like, oh my God, we are not showing this to any client. Like I feel not only embarrassed, but like they don't think that my lips are good enough. Right. Like they hired me, what you see is what you get. Anyway, continue right. with your story, but embarrassing. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And I, I think, I mean, I've been frustrated with the modeling industry for a very long time, but I think um, part of it is there's no control. You have no control as a model of where these images are ending up. There's very little protection. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many clients and money I've fronted to never get paid. And these clients just go MIA and I, it's thousands of dollars I've never seen again from that aspect to altering my photos to using the photos in places that I would never, um, say okay with and then another kind of um interesting obstacle I've been um kind of seeing in more recent years as I've kind of began to grow my audience uh online people don't know the difference between a modeling photo and a photo I'm posting on my Instagram they don't know um the difference between you know, my modeling career and my content creation career. So it's, um, it's just, it's been interesting to navigate because it's, you know, for example, if I'm showing up on some, I don't know, let's just for, for a PG example, I talk a lot about bras and properly fitting undergarments on my platform. Before I ever really started talking about that, I did a ton of, um, underwear jobs. And those photos are still being used today. And so people will say, oh, I saw you on this website. It, this is a bra that you approve and support. Oh, yeah. and like, no. And it's like hard to explain like that was, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, different lives almost. Right. So it, it's almost like um, going back to like altering and photos. It's like, there's very little, um, I don't know if control is the right word, but 
it can, it's. Well, there's no accountability. Yes. Accountability. You know, like we're, we're working and or you're working and you are done with your job, pack up and go. Well, you don't have that control uh, or that say anymore. You have zero power in saying, I want my image to look like me. And right. here's what you can do with it. And here's what you can't do with it. And the problem is our agents aren't doing that because guess what? We're, we're replaceable. Right. They could find a 17 year old girl that will do the same job for half the price for, in, and then the client will just change that picture. And so, and sorry to, to barge in on your conversation, but there's no accountability in this industry. And the most important piece, in my opinion, one of the most important pieces of our conversation today is, is airing that out so that we can hold the industry, the modeling industry, the advertising industry accountable for um, posting and sharing and advertising what is real life, whether it's, you know, sharing more black models mm -hmm. and instead of having 4% of the models of black models that walk the runway during fashion week, making it equal right. um, and highlighting what's really important and what's real and not what's um, perfect to the eye. Because I think our eye is actually looking for that unique realness. And that's why authenticity is so viral Absolutely. because we're looking for some, some digit that's messed up in the system and be like, Oh, that caught my eye, you know, instead of the seamless experience where nothing disrupts your life, we kind of crave that disruption as, as consumers. Absolutely. I think another point too, that is interesting that I can understand both sides and I'm sure you can. So more often times than not, when you're modeling, you're modeling uh, clothes or items that are not in production yet. So you're modeling samples and um, oftentimes samples aren't final products. So there's a lot of edits and errors um, that need to be tweaked once the clothes are in, in production. So I've modeled clothes with giant holes in the back. I've giant, I've modeled clothes. I'm a 14. I've always been booked as a 14. Um, I've modeled clothes that are a size 20 that they've had to edit and clip down and safety pin in the back. So, you know, I understand that they can't always shoot um, what you're going to buy, but it's kind of um, a question of morality and, and ethics there of the, you're selling something that might be perceived as what it is, but in production, it might be looking like something totally different or, and, um, you know, if I'm wearing a dress and it's pinned and poked and taped and whatever, um, and you get, you get it home and you're like, why I don't, why don't I look like the model? It's like, well, I, I don't even look like the model and I am the model, <laughs> you That's know? Powerful. And there's so much work that goes into those images that we see, you know, there's pre-production, there's hair, there's makeup, there's a wardrobe stylist, there's lighting technicians, there's photographers, producers. There's so many people, so many hands that have to go into creating this final image that um, I can now understand um, how people get it kind of twisted. Like, I'll never be looking like that. Well, 
I won't even ever be looking like that because I don't have a team of 15 people helping me look like that every day. <laughs> right. I, when I um, was in the modeling industry, I remember thinking, here's this big campaign that I'm spearheading and I'm the face of, and I'm so lucky to get this and yay, body positivity, love your curves. And at the same time, I was the very person that needed that confidence and that love the most. I felt so disconnected from my body image because, or from my body and so connected to the, the ego mind of my body image and how successful I was with breast implants and full body liposuction and nobody knew about it. And my agent swept it under the rug, um, didn't even call me after having surgery, even though they knew about it. And you know, I risked my life to, um, I risked my life for my ego and to please other people outside of me and, and for, and to be beautiful, right? To be beautiful. All of us want that feeling of well-being. I think we mistake well-being for beauty and it should be the other way around. Like feeling well should be what defines our beauty or at least the, um, aspiration of well-being and the journey towards it because it's not always about the end goal right mm -hmm. um so i remember thinking um that i was the one that needed it the most and i also know when i started modeling my first time plus size modeling because i've been i modeled at 16 different sizes wow. i took a train down to miami i started modeling here in in south beach mostly swimsuit stuff in the winter is what you get some catalog stuff here or there but mostly swimmer so in swimmer castings you go in and you are in a big hotel room and you or some meet conference room and you are asked to strip down and stand in your underwear and give a book to this table of people who are looking at you and asking you to try on these swimsuits like you said are oftentimes not in your size. You'd be lucky if they fit in all the right places. They'll be pinned in this and that. And, um, and I guess in a way you become desensitized to, um, to being naked. Your body becomes this impersonal vehicle, which is an interesting feeling to really disassociate from your body and to um, disassociate from the feeling of not feeling safe. Not that it's not a safe environment, but um, it's just when you when you're vulnerable and no one acknowledges that, it can feel very unsafe. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in a whole room of hotel room of models down here, and one of the models was like the one that got all the jobs. And if she didn't want it, then she would like throw this, the chum to the other girls. <laughs> and I was just a rising model. And I, I um, <clears throat> was staring at her because I'd been to a lot of castings with her. And I thought the last time I saw her was three months ago and she didn't look like this. What I realized was these girls were undergoing plastic surgery, body transformations, possibly leaving Instagram, leaving social media in real time. So like, hey, today I'm doing a show, join me. It was more like throwback Thursday or like check out this campaign I did and healing their body from procedures. 
um, which put a pin in that because uh, I want to come back to procedures and quarantine since we're in quarantine right now. But um, I was noticing that these women were having um, fat transplants. They were having full body lipo, possibly even ribs removed to make their waist thinner, lip augmentations, um, breast augmentations, chin augmentations. I walked in a fashion show um, for a very big TV channel. And I remember going after the show to get drinks at a bar nearby in New York City. And the only other plus size, there were three plus size models in the show and the only other two women um, were inebriated enough to admit all of the work that they had done as if it was completely normal. And I was just like virgin Emily had no, I mean, I had just colored my hair maybe, you know, <laughs> I had no idea that it was that, in my opinion, dark and that scary of an industry that I got in. I thought I was gonna like march and be like, let's do this, let's accept all sizes. But the truth is the plus size modeling industry does not accept all sizes. And, um, you know, there's, I, there's some like, there's also, I, I want to acknowledge like the thin privilege in the plus size industry and how many plus size models are actually thinner women that um, can't identify with the problems that true plus size women have, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I would even um, categorize myself in that category. I mean, the fact that I can go into a store and purchase the largest size of something um, and not necessarily need to buy plus sizes. I mean, I can completely, it's a whole different, I don't want to say struggle, but it's a whole different um, can of worms, but for sure, I, I have not um, necessarily experienced the issues of a true plus size woman going into a store and having to go into a department store and go upstairs behind the luggage next to the bathroom to find the plus size section like that. That's frumpy. Yeah, for sure. The woman or the, you know, whatever. There's been so many names and terms over the past. Yeah decade. Um, but back to your point of um, kind of desensitizing yourself as a model, I, I learned quickly and at a young, younger age that I am not a person to these people. I'm a product being hired to sell their product. Um, and that's a hard pill to swallow, um, especially being so young. Oh, yeah. How old were you when you started modeling? I was 17 when I started. I'm 27, almost 28 now. So then um, it's kind of been like my coming of age, essentially, in this industry. It's been, it's been wild. <laughs> it definitely is wild. Um, what do you see in terms of social media and transparency of plus size models these days? And what do you see in terms of advertising transparency in general for, for the plus size body positive movement? So I um, don't necessarily, it's funny. I think a lot of what I do, what I post can be um, categorized as body positive, but I don't necessarily identify as a body positive content creator or influencer or whatever you want to call it. Um, I feel like there's been a lot of noise 
in the body positive space, a lot of great noise, a lot of things that have um, created a lot of change in the industry. And um, it's nice to see that size inclusivity um, is not necessarily a trend anymore. For a long time, it felt like it was cool for everyone to be posting unpublished photos and like, yeah, that's great, but like, how long is this gonna stick around? Right. Um, I started my platform um, back in 2000, well, started growing my platform back in 2016. Um, I went to a, a casting and the producer, first question he asked me, he looked at me up and down, he goes, how many followers do you have? And I was like, so proud. I stood up all tall and I was like, I have 10,000 followers. And he like looked at me, laughed, he laughed in my face and he was like, you better step it up, honey. And I, I was that, it's like, you know, you have those like pivotal moments that just like you remember so vividly. And like that for me was the moment like, okay, I'm gonna figure out why is social media important? Why does it matter? And for a long time, I talk a lot about trends in the industry a huge trend in the industry um, quite a few years ago was that you had to have an online community to be hired for these big campaigns. Yeah. Um, and in hindsight, it's very smart for the brand to do, but they weren't compensating the models for their recognition. Mm. They were just compensating for a model um, normal day rate. So it's kind of fallen away from um, models needing to have a platform, but I've kind of continued on creating my platform essentially as like the tips and tricks and things that I've learned oftentimes the hard way, excuse me, through the modeling industry across all categories um, and sharing that onto everyday life. And in, in respect to your question about seeing model sharing I feel like there is this weird conception. I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of models that I follow, not all, but a lot of models, at least for a very long time, were just posting final images, um, sometimes with just emoji captions, mm -hmm. just, be just a whole feed of beautiful photos. And there wasn't a lot of depth or grit behind it, which is completely fine. Not everyone needs to have everything, you know, but that was something that was important for me that I, if I was going to grow this platform, I wanted it to have a little substance and I wanted it to, um, I don't know, be a little more relatable because even I can't relate to the beautiful curated images that I've seen myself in, you know? Mm -hmm. You have, um, our audience will, I'm sure, follow you, but you have the most incredible community of supportive women, and you've grown so quickly, and just, I mean, you have, what, 250,000 followers or 60,000 followers? Uh, almost. We're, it's been such a privilege uh, to have this audience and grow with them. I mean, I've always been a gal, just our average gal, average size gal, figuring it out alongside everyone else. And that's always been my approach is when I founded my platform on kindness, inclusivity, and education and across all mediums. And um, it's been fun to learn and grow together. I think a lot of people like to um, 
I don't want to say get on their high horse, but project themselves as a teacher, as an educator and an expert. And sure, I'll, I'll, I'll hold that title for a few topics, <laughs> but not everything. Uh, so I think it's important to just be honest that I have things to learn. I'm still learning and technically I'm considered an undergarment expert, but I'm still learning about it every day um, in sharing what I can with my audience. So um, I don't know what. One of the amazing things about your brand and your social media is that you not only talk about yourself, but you talk about other women who have influenced you. More recently, you shared a post of, it, and I'll let you talk about the post, but it really inspired me and I started following all these women. And I think that this is one of the key reasons why you're so successful with social media instead of just buying your followers and likes and whatever you're authentically sharing. So I'm going to let you share what you shared the other day that inspired me so much. Sure. So, um, again, going back to my, I want my platforms to be as inclusive as possible. And this past week has taught me the importance of amplifying voices, especially black voices. And so one of the things that I've, I've been doing a lot of soul searching and, and trying to figure out what's the best way for me to use this platform and the most genuine way that comes from my heart. And I wanted to sh shed a little light on some people that have so eloquently been saying things and sharing things and resources that um, far better than I ever could um, and I put together a list and I hope it to be a living, growing list of women, black women that have inspired me in, in the content creation and modeling space and even businesses that have touched my heart um, over the past years, over the past week, some, some new faces, some people that I've idolized for, for years, but um, just a very, very, very small, small baby step towards, I think, an overall change that uh, the influencer industry, the modeling industry needs to propel forward. And I think it goes back to being held accountable. We all have the power and the opportunity to do better and to use yes. voices in a better way. That accountability is so key and so important and so vital to to lives. Yes. Um, so thank you for doing that and for sharing it and for giving us the opportunity to follow those wonderful women. Absolutely. They are amazing. And I hope to continue sharing. And I've just been doing a lot of um, soul searching on my, my modeling career. And there's been so many incredible women um, who paved the way for me um, that I hope to highlight in the future in the next coming weeks uh, in regards to modeling specifically. Absolutely.